Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ladies and gentlemen, two men from opposite ends of the physical, cultural, and emotional spectrums. Flats and Shanks. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 13. Something. Episode something of our weekly podcast. I'm David Flatman. I'm Tom Shanklin. Hiya, Tom. Hi, Dave. Hi, hi, hi. How you doing? How you doing? Yeah, all right. How are you? I'm all right. I'm better now. Um, Yeah. We've just, Shanks and I have just absolutely seen off. Demolished some wraps. A massive lunch, actually. And for me, it was a bit too much food. I'm amazed Shanks put all that away. I thought I'd, I deliberately, I went out and bought the food. Nah, yeah. um, I thought Shanks would leave some and I'd get some of that, but I've got nothing. There's one mince pie left, actually. But I don't like mince pies, mate. I'll have that. I don't like mince pies, I don't like Christmas pudding. Yeah, I'll have that. Mate. You can have that. Um, you don't like Christmas, though? After. I do, mate. I like Christmas, I just don't like the food. Um, really? Yeah. Oh, well, no, you, I just don't like mince pies and Christmas pudding, if that's all right. Do you like turkey? Oh, I bloody love it. Oh, he loves it. Look it's at like, it. Oh. It looks like you've swollen one. <laughs> so, someone actually shouted at... Um, I, th- I think I said swollen one then. Swollen one, you swollen one. I've got a swollen Swallowed one. I've got a swollen one. That's the one. Um, I remember uh, someone shouting, uh, Toby Booth walked past the stand uh, at Bath at the Rec, and it was a Christmas game, and someone shouted out at Toby Booth in the stand. I was sitting in the stand doing the media stuff. And, standard. Um, standard. And uh, someone shouted out, Oi, Boothy, you meant to defrost the turkey before you swallow it. <laughs> Oldies are the best, that. aren't they? Yeah, and it's mainly funny because somebody shouted that at me once, but now I can deflect it onto someone else. So we've had uh, a good day filming. We're here at the Principality Stadium, home of rugby. Well, the home of Welsh rugby. It is a it is a it's, wonderful stadium. It yeah. is amazing, isn't it? You yeah. must be. You are impressed when you walk in. Um, no, I, I am. Do you know what I? What? It's not about being English and Welsh and that sort of stuff, but it's a, it's a funny thing. Um, 
Uh, Shanks is, by the way, he's reviled at the moment because he realises I've got him sparkling water. No, it just took me by surprise, that was all. Grow up, mate. Yeah. Um, so, I, I'm not, I don't care that I'm English and it's Welsh and I'm supposed to hate it. I love it. Um, played here once, lost once, but apart from that, I love it. And um, it, it's more about the whole atmosphere, the stadium thing. Like, you know, the average fan, or I guess listener to this podcast, would arrive at an international game or a big game and they would be super excited or nervous or in awe um, but I I kind of think that when, you, when you've played out there not necessarily at the Principality Stadium or Millennium as it was then anywhere in the big pro games you're kind of immune to that atmosphere now aren't you um, do you still get really pumped I still get to come here and watch the games and I still feed off the buzz of what it's like it's nothing better than walking out to a, a packed stadium here when the roof is closed must be pretty intimidating for the opposition because it's noisy, there's pyrotechnics going off, it's fire. More Luckily, fire. It's, it's generally only Wales you've got to play here, so it's less scary. Yeah, that's a joke. That's a joke. Yeah. Um, but I, it, it's an it's overall though. I find it quite an interesting one. So, during the World Cup at, in England or at Twickenham rather, World Cup final, I'm talking about in the semis, we all the sort of ex-players gather together before those games and we get we get chaperoned away by uh, very helpful people to various corporate suites and we go and have a right laugh in these places and whatever. And part of the deal is you get tickets to the games. Yeah. Now, I, will, I, I watched the World Cup final from the stands because I got a really nice seat behind the main commentators on ITV. Okay. That, was just, that was just wandering past and seeing a seat. But every other game I watched in the little windowless meeting room we had above the hot dog stand where we met in the mornings before we went off to the corporate and you go back there during the final which I did to get some food free food and it's just all the ex-players are sitting in there they're not worried about being out in the stadium they just want to watch see the replays hear the analysis and watch it in a quiet room it's funny isn't it I just clarify one thing when I come here though I do go into a box to watch games Yeah, I don't sit in the stand so I get to watch you know the TV the replays um, get to drink Yeah, go to the toilet when I want get to eat so, yeah. yeah, do wee-wees whenever you want. Yeah, exactly. One of the great bonuses of being a retired player, isn't it? It is, it is. Wee-wee when you want. Mm. Um, so I get to experience the top level, really, mm. of the stadium, which is, I love it. It's great. It's a lovely place, it's a lovely place. Um, We've just been doing some filming here. That's why we are both here. Yeah, we were, we were downstairs. We're upstairs now in a box. It's quite swanky, actually. It's like a quite a nice little like studio flat, isn't it, in here? Very little. Yeah, okay. Um but it, we've been filming downstairs in the, we're in the bath for a little bit weren't we yeah we had a nice little bubble bath we've been in the changing rooms um, we've been down the tunnel now you might have told me this before on a podcast but I, I tend not to listen to you that much the um, we went into what I thought were the away changing rooms because I played here and we were I think we had the away changing rooms to play here yeah um, and but they were the Welsh changing rooms that we're in today. So did, have you swapped? Are they no longer the away changing rooms? Yeah, swapped in 2008. So when the stadium was built, right, we changed in, which is now the away changing rooms. Mm. Um, obviously, we didn't have that much success. So when Warren Gatlin came in in 2008, he said, you know, do you want to change things up? Um, do you want a you know, different view, different mindset? So we moved into the away changing rooms, which are just as big, probably a little bit bigger, if anything. Um, give it a lick of paint put a bit of memorabilia up there a couple um, of pictures of Tom Shanklin and you're yeah, away yeah yeah a couple of life size figures of me um, and it's now the home change room and actually it might be not a bad time to swap back <laughs> <laughs> tell you what yeah 
or maybe swap to the Arms Park again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Turn the pitch back round. Um, I want to know because whenever I see um, Warren Gatland in a press conference, which is the only time, or the odd TV feature, he's reasonably quiet and he's not that expressive. And occasionally you'll get a bit of a laugh or a joke out of him, but not much. Yeah. When he's doing team talks before you're running out to play in test matches, is he? louder and more expressive than that or does he leave that to Sean Edwards no he is he is he is loud and expressive and he is a good motivator of people and he's a very good talker um, he is quite quiet bloke and that's often why Sean Edwards is so loud but then you see the other side of them both you know so when Gatlin then is firing all cylinders and giving us a bollocking in the change room Sean Edwards then is quite quiet so mm. it's good cop bad cop basically but both very good motivators yeah now while we're on the subject of um, Welsh coaches um so you, you, so you would have played in that change room. Have you? Can you remember any... Uh, we get loads of questions, and we'll run through a load of them later on for you, um, if you're interested. Hopefully you are. That's why you're downloading and listening to it. But we've got, we've got loads and loads of questions to go through. But one that pops up all the time is team talks. Who are the best in the changing rooms? And i got to say, there's one or two team talks I remember for being great. The others I remember for being hilarious. Um, what are your kind of memories? What are your memories of those that stick out when, in, in terms of Welsh rugby here at the Principality? I don't remember too much sort of in the middle of a game or anything like that because you're so you're so focused really on, on what you've got to do and your job and your roles and your units so you, you chat to centres and backs about where the space is what have you but before games there's been a couple I think we've mentioned a couple already but one always stands out for me because I was crying with laughter and you know when you're crying with laughter and you're trying to hide it a nightmare yeah it is a nightmare when your shoulders start going and tears are coming out of your eyes and it was Gareth Jenkins was coach. So the great Gareth Jenkins, unbelievable bloke, lovely bloke, good motivator, good speaker. Boys loved him. And he was coach of Wales. And it was 2007. And Wales lost all, all their games in the Six Nations. Lost to Italy, Scotland, Ireland, France. Had England here at the Millennium Stadium at the time. And that was it. That was the last game. And like, like all teams... You're in a horseshoe waiting for your coach to speak at the hotel before you get on the bus mm. to go to the stadium. And he walks in and he's in his suit, his number ones. He's looking sharp. He's looking around the room. He's eyeing up the players. They're eyeing him back. You know, he's, he's got the room. Everyone's looking at him and he's looking around and he's looking at people and he's nodding into him thinking, you ready? And they're nodding back, yeah, ready. He's looking at a couple of others, ready. Melon, you ready? Yeah, ready. And the moment's there. Just then, turns his back takes off his jacket what to really kick into the speech though. to really kick into the speech takes off his jacket turns back to face us and I swear to you not mate his trousers are up by his tits honestly <laughs> if he pulled them up any higher right he'd have to undo the zip to speak <laughs> and he's got he's got he's got a little little wet patch from where he was he hasn't shaken it as well no after and he's he, got a little penalty spot yeah he's looking around the room and I've just gone straight away I've looked across oh, the room mate. and there's Mellon Gethin Jenkins sat number one in the horseshoe he's looked at me I've looked at him the tears are coming down my eyes right I'm just all of a sudden I've gone from sitting upright to hand um, head of my hands down and he's trying to ask me a question <laughs> and I can't answer him and he's and he's I'm going yeah yeah, yeah. oh mate it was just it was just one of those moments that I'm, I am terrible like that. Anything stupid like that, I'm completely gone. Yeah, I remember being in... But um, we went on to win it. 
And we did won you? the game, yeah. There you go. Enjoy your rugby, you see. Yeah. Enjoy it. Maybe it was deliberate. The penalty spot you? was deliberate. Um, was the penalty spot was deliberate? Deliberate, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, bit of humour. I, I remember being, in terms of the giggles, I remember being in huddles and I... Even now, I've got, I don't have many abilities, but one ability I've got is to set Danny Grucock laughing hysterically at any point about anything. So a couple of years ago, not this going anything to do with rugby, uh, my cat got run over in, and killed where I lived and in Bath, and it was genuinely awful. Like, I'm a, you better bring us back up after Yeah, this yeah, so I mean, I'm a dog person, and I, the wife sort of, the, the cat sort of came with the wife, but... Um, but I love you know love animals anyway. It was a genuinely horrible horrible day. Wasn't dealing with it. Didn't deal with it brilliantly and all that. And was um, it run over by you? Uh, no, it wasn't. Okay. By this bloke, okay, right? Okay. And uh, <laughs> I gave it a tangent. This bloke standing there. My wife's like scraping our cat up off the pavement. It was it was genuinely horrific. That's not a joke. Why are you laughing? Scraping. It was horrific. And this bloke who ran Henry over the cat was just standing there, and he goes to me, "I've got a bin bag in the boot. If you want that, completely expressionless." And I was like, no, mate, you, you shoot off. I know it wasn't your fault. He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how they start, mate. Anyway, he goes, yeah, he goes back around to his boot and comes around and he's just got this bin liner. He's standing there for like a minute, in, which is quite a long time when it's that awkward. And he goes, uh, he bent down to my wife, who's like hysterical on the pavement. I mean, the cat is... Upset, hysterically upset. Hysterically upset, yeah. yeah. And the bloke just says, uh, do you want the bin bag? <laughs> do, you want, do you want it, the bin bag? Do you want uh, it, love? Yeah. I, I, why, did, why did I think of that? Um, anyway... So the next day, Danny comes over and he's coming over anyway for a coffee after training. Yeah. He walks in and Alex has like got puffy eyed and she's like, sorry, I've been crying a bit. And he said, oh, that's what it's like being married to flats. It was a bit of a joke. And I said, no, no. I looked at him dead in the eyes and said, Henry the cat died yesterday. And Dan had nowhere to go. He's in the middle of the kitchen. He's massive, so you can't miss him. And he absolutely, I'm looking at him because I know I can make him laugh. Yeah. And I'm not laughing. I'm genuinely upset, but I want to make him feel awful. Mate, absolutely crucified him. He bent double. He ended up crying with nervous laughter. <laughs> uh, it was great. I get him at funerals. I get him anywhere. But the, what, the words that I remember almost more than any were Phil Larder, the England defence coach. You know when England won the World Cup? And I don't remember that, mate. Did no, they? It, it happened. It happened. It happened. Oh, I got out of my memory. Yeah, so it happened. And um, it literally happened. And I remember him saying to me, that season, it wasn't during the World Cup, but that season... Um, England were playing France and on the Monday the whole 30 man squad met up Monday morning and or Sunday night and then about Tuesday morning something like that Clive would pick uh, five or six guys that weren't going to play for England and yeah. who were going to go and play for the A's yes. England A who were down in Red Ruth we were at Twickenham they were at Red Ruth so anyway I was one of the young guys that got booted out Anyway, we did a defence session, and I'd never done defence sessions before because at club level we didn't have defence coaches then. It sounds bizarre, but 2000, we didn't have a defence coach at Saracens. Just get yourself in guard. Just get yourself in guard, but you just whack them, yeah? And that yeah. was all we had. I mean, defence coaches were a new thing then. Yeah. So, Lard, we do this defence session. We do this defence session, and um, Lard, anyway, Julian White and I weren't the best defenders in the world, and we were new to it. And after we had this meeting on the Monday night, and he's like, I have got... There are 30 men in this, 30 rugby players in this room, and I have got complete confidence at test match level in almost all of you. There are two guys in here who are not up to standard. They've got some work to do. Flats and Whitey, you've got some work to do. You're way behind the curve. And we're kind of like, that is harsh. Like, that's so harsh in front of the lads, you know. Yeah. He was right, anyway. So he basically said, you are not good enough. Whitey, Phil Rickery got injured, so Whitey was playing. 
Yeah. So he told Whitey he wasn't good enough, then had to pick him. And anyway, sent me off to Red Ruth. I get the call Friday morning of the England A game. Trevor Woodman's twisted his ankle. Can you come back? So I'm straight on a plane from wherever, Newquay, and I'm back up. And I'm straight on the bench against France. And I end up coming on and playing against France at Twickenham that day. Another cap. Well Another done. Another cap, yeah. Every minute counts. And I'm in, in the changing room before the game, Phil Larder saying to me, walking over and saying, I believe in you. I believe in you. You're going to make your tackles. You're going to be in position. And I just said, no, you don't. <laughs> don't lie. Slagging you off. Don't, don't lie. No, you don't. And I remember saying, I, I didn't say that. I thought that. And I just said, thanks, Phil. And look, there, Julian White looked at me and we looked at each other and was like, you bullshitter. You know, uh, well, so Phil Larder was defence coach um, in 2005 Lions. I don't know if I told you I was on that tour. Whoops. Um, and obviously doing a defensive drill, hitting the bags and stuff. And Gethin Jenkins, very good defender. Yeah, probably the best defensive prop in the world. Yeah, one of them. Um, he singled him out and he wanted us to all to look at um, Mellon's technique. So he's going, lads, lads, stop, stop. Come and have a look at Giffen. Come and have a look at Giffen. <laughs> Giffen's technique. Well done, Giffen. Well done. We're fucking all crying. Couldn't, couldn't pronounce his name. That's so awkward. Oh, I know. There's I this know. old tale of um, Phil Larder being in a huddle and saying, it doesn't matter how big you are, you can take anyone down if you've got the desire and you get your technique right. And he's proud. everyone's in a huddle and he's in the middle, prowling around the middle of the huddle at training. And then, I forget who it was, it might have been Martin Corey, but someone will correct me on that at some point. Yeah. But he just, Phil Larder's like an old, you know, a pretty old guy at this point, not a big guy. No. And he just suddenly drops and like flies at Cosa to take him out, just to prove the point, because Cosa's like England captain, he's yeah, massive, yeah. he's hard as you like, hardest bloke ever kind of thing. And Cosa's just got his arms around someone else and he just rides the hit. And Phil Larder doesn't knock him backwards, he like bounces off him, but he's still got hold of his legs. <laughs> Phil just drops and apparently his arms are still round him. And he just drops to the floor with his arms still round Cosa's ankles. No, drops like, all the way down his legs and he's got his, his hair's like flapping everywhere. And the boys, everyone starts laughing. Julian White can't, he's crying his eyes out. He's actually crying. And in the end, it's like, stop laughing now because yeah. it's actually a bit disrespectful. It's embarrassing, this sort of, this old guy <laughs> let himself down. And Whitey can't go on, mate. He's, he's, he's gone, he's on his knees. Do you remember, um, you might not remember him, um, Clive Griffiths, he used to coach London Welsh and Wales brought him in as defensive coach. I know the name. Yeah. So well, he, there's probably about 400,000 of them in Wales, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Wasn't he a snooker player? Two, anyway. Yeah, 2.5 million of them. Um, he was head coach at London Welsh when I was coming up through the ranks there before I met you. And... He was obviously big. His big thing was defence. He played a lot of rugby league and stuff. And he would bring in videos of his son, who was 10 years old at the time, making hits in his games to show us how to do it properly. Mm. <laughs> oh, it's, it's awful. Know, it's so cringe. I just love it. It's so cringe. Um, I want to stay on Wales while okay. we can. And I want to say a couple of things that you might think are controversial. I'm not a deliberately controversial guy. I don't deliberately say things to try and get noticed but I'm going to say some things that you might not like um, it's, not, only, it's not about my skin tone or it's not about your skin tone or your colour albino stuff it's not about okay. that bulbous eyes yeah or, had since the age of seven or, yeah like fish eyes or your you know fluorescent orange body hair uh, it's not about that what it's about is <laughs> firstly firstly <laughs> that's, that's a horrible thought <laughs> that's minging but it's true it's not um, especially against a white background it's really stark anyway it's like a orange on a chalkboard, a whiteboard. Anyway, so I want to know why Keelan Giles and Tom James are watching 
Wales play rugby when Alex Cuthbert is in the team I'm, I'm just not having it they're better than he is OK so Keelan Giles is a youngster a teenager that's been picked for Wales he's been playing very well for the Ospreys um, he was picked for the bench this weekend against Japan I think a lot of people thought he should start but he was on the bench and there was no room to bring him on because I mean we'll get to the result and the game itself later on but it was such a tight game all the way through there was no way really you could bring him onto the pitch because he was so young, so raw. If he makes a mistake, then you know he's going to be thinking about it for the rest of his career. His confidence would be shot. So it was the right decision, I think, not to bring him on. Now, Tom James is a different kettle of fish. He's been the informed winger for the last two or three years in Wales. He had his shot, I think it was last year or a couple of years, I think it was last year in the Six Nations mm-hmm. uh, against... Scotland. He started off, yeah, he started off at Ireland, then he played Scotland... Didn't finish off a try down the left-hand side. It was caught by Duncan Taylor, who actually is pretty quick. Fast, yeah. yeah, there are fast centers out there. Yeah, um, and he's never been picked since. So it's a difficult one for him. I, I think it's more. It's not so much um, a, a talent clash. I think it's a personality clash that he has with the coaches, and that's see, why they don't pick him. See, I I heard a a, a rumor a sleazy rumour that he was on a plane with the team and I don't know if he had a beer or not I might, I might be throwing that bit in for the sake of it do but, it but he, he was smashed yeah. uh, I don't think he was but he, he had a pop at the coaches confronted them and said why don't you pick me on yeah I think, this team. I think he had a chat with the coaches um, yeah. uh, as to why he wasn't being selected and his views on it you know he's obviously been playing well and he's getting he's getting other players again picked above him who aren't as good and not as a good form as him so it's very frustrating for him so it's, it can't be down to form it can't be down to talent because he's got bags of it and he's playing very well in the Pro 12 it has to be a personality clash that he has with the coaches it's not to do with the team at all I don't think he's that Kevin Peterson-esque you know where disrupt the change room everyone loves him he's a great guy he just doesn't seem to get on with the coaches he doesn't seem to be in their picture they see more talent and you know, more benefit picking someone like Hallam Amos. Mm. Hallam Amos, I think, is great. Yeah, great player. I just don't know how you don't pick Tom James That's and you pick Alex Cuthbert. That's my point. And Alex Cuthbert was wonderful for Lions. I haven't seen that form since then. And he's big and quick and all that. But I, I kind of, I look at him and see someone who is, and I don't like seeing it, but I see someone who's um, lacking in confidence, knows he's not in very good form and hasn't been in epic form the last couple of seasons and he's worried about it. So every time he makes a mistake... His face looks like, oh God, everything's just got worse for me. Yeah, no, he's he's struggling with confidence. You can see that a fair bit. You can see it in his face after, you know, he's only two or three mistakes away from crying, I think, on the field. But mm. that's emotion coming out. That's how much he wants it. He's trying so hard to find that form, but it's just not coming. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. Yeah. It's tough. Um, the next thing I want to talk about, if you can hear some banging in the background, by the way, there's... Um, I think it's a cat burglar. There's this weird guy outside this box boxer in at Principality and... He's like, it look, honestly looks like he's trying to nip. Should I go over and see what he's doing? Whack him. Okay. Whack him. I am going to go mental. Just tell him who you are and whack him. Don't knock him over the edge though, because we don't need a manslaughter charge on the Flats and Shanks podcast, because this is witness now, effectively. Oh, oh my God, Shanks just looked out and stuck a middle finger up at him. He was so arrogant. So arrogant. Is he gone? Yeah. Got rid of him. Shanks did the old throat slit signal and he went. Gave him the look, didn't I? Yeah, I sorted that out. 
So, what are we going to talk about today, mate? Oh, no, I've got something else I want to talk oh, to you right, about. Oh, right, I want to talk to you about Rob Howley. Yes. Now, it's not being a great... Uh, Hello. Oh. Just in the middle of a uh, podcast. Do you mind if I'm back? Is that all right? Sorry. All right. Sorry. Is that your mum? Is that your mum? <laughs> no. This lady just came in, and normally we would say, ah, 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 we're recording but she had a tray full of clunking cups. And I, I don't know about you, but I saw her and thought, free coffee. Turned out she had no coffee, so Shanks got rid of her and gave her a Is that pull I have around her? Amazing. Out. Um, go on, what's your point on Rob Howley? I want to talk about Rob Howley as the main man. And um, it seemed a natural choice because he'd been around and knew the system so well and all and all that stuff. But And it isn't about press being a great head coach. It's not about press conferences and sound bites. But you do, I think, have to have some sort of, you know, sort of charismatic pull, some sort of engagement, inspirational engagement. And I think Eddie Jones has it in spades. I think Clive Woodward had it. I think Steve Hansen clearly has it. He's very droll in his press conferences, but I'm told by people I know well that know him well, that he's a great guy and he's got, and you said the same thing, and he's actually very, very funny, loads of charisma, knows how to get the best out of players. Um, I just look at Rob Howley and think, is that, I mean, I don't know him. But what I see from a long way on the outside is, frankly, not an inspirational character who's going to get Wales out of this rut. Is he, is he completely different from that behind the scenes? It's difficult for him, isn't it? Because he's obviously taken over the Welsh team. The form has been pretty, pretty poor. I don't remember it being as bad as this for mm. a fairly long time. So he's under a lot of pressure, and you can see that. And you know, he's, not, he's not the most charismatic um, behind the camera, but he was a pretty decent player and he's a he's pretty decent um, on the coaching field so it's a tough one for him um, you know Gatlin's obviously taking a year out um, Rob's got the team but it's still sort of tied to Gatlin it's not mm. it's not as if Rob is now the next Welsh coach for two or three years no, he's only mm. got the team for a year so it's difficult um, what will happen though is I think we can make a lot more judgments after this weekend because if Wales end up beating South Africa, playing well, beating South Africa, that's three from four. They set that out at the start as being a positive campaign. It will still be positive regardless of, you know, result-wise, regardless of how they played. Yeah, okay. So he stays. I don't think he should get binned. I'm not saying that. I'm just thinking, like, I look at him as a rugby fan and I just don't think that is the right guy to be leading the Wales rugby team at the moment. And I would would love to be proved wrong. Um, we've We've actually got a question in on... Twitter from the Scarlet's rugby blog which is kind of Welsh based and this is quite Welsh centric so far Yeah. Um, but that's how it is Shanks did player power force Ruddock out of the Welsh job oh God, that's a blast from the past yeah um, he might basically retire uh, not retired he resigned himself mm. um, he resigned himself because he thought in his own mind he had lost the change room Mm. players didn't force him out the players didn't say Mike it's time for you to go he thought he had lost a change room so therefore he resigned and left the post yeah um, so you don't think it was player power it might have been a, it would have been a little bit of player power in the fact that they well I, luckily I was injured that year so it didn't I wasn't involved in it oh, I was you alright mate yeah no, okay? I was fine I was fine but I think the players felt that they didn't have the confidence in Mike to take him forward and therefore he felt he lost a change room and retired um, resigned yeah and retired <clears throat> and retired he did so 
There's, I remember you showing me a, um, you probably don't want me to tell anyone this, but I'm telling everyone, a hilarious video of Mike Ruddock, <laughs> absolutely hilarious, where it was videoed by the team analysts, like on a hill above the training, a raised platform above the training ground. Yeah. And he'd just done the team talk or whatever. And because it was raining, I think, he went back to watch training from his car <laughs> on the touchline. And it's like not even standing, he went to sit in his nice car and actually on the way back everyone else had walked off and was beginning to train and he like pretended he was still a player and did these side steps thinking nobody was watching beating imaginary defenders do you remember that? it was, it was yeah we had like a motivational video basically and a lot of it had some funny stuff on it and right. some of the funny stuff was when the players left the field Mike just picked up a ball walking back to his car and started doing some side steps and some yeah. shuffles yeah um, very good yeah very very good still a great guy mind so Flats. We had so many games at the weekend. I know. It was an, it was an incredible weekend of rugby. Yeah, it was brilliant. Um, should we start with Ireland All Blacks? Yeah, let's start with that. Um, what did you think of the game? I thought it was, I didn't think you you would be able to top two weeks ago with the game that was played in Chicago, but I thought it was an incredible game. I mm. loved it. It was a brutal physical encounter. Now. New Zealand winner bounce back from that loss. No one puts forty points on New Zealand and does it again. Mm. You know, two weeks later, and you could see that right from the start how aggressive New Zealand defence was. You know, Ireland had all the possession, all the territory for nearly sixty minutes, yet couldn't cross the white line. Mm. And second half, right? They had twenty minutes deep in New Zealand's half, and New Zealand just kept holding them out every time. New Zealand. Uh, Ireland came back on a switch or they were looking for space the door was just slammed in their face New Zealand defence was unbelievably tough and aggressive and they came away with three points and then you look at New Zealand then at the 65th minute they score a try they'd had five minutes of pressure in the mm. Irish half and come away with a try and, and that was a difference you know, Ireland had a few chances and those chances stuck two weeks ago yeah. you know, when they put 40 on them yeah. but they just weren't sticking this week but I think the most, the biggest positive thing is that Ireland can mix it with the best. They've beaten New Zealand. They've lost to New Zealand. Um, you know, they're certainly in the top three, four international teams in the world. Mm. They look really good. I thought it was, it was by a mile the most intense test of the weekend. I thought it was a really, really good game. And um, the one thing that kind of um, sticks out for me when I think about it is the All Blacks response to having been conceded 40 points and been beaten the week before yeah uh, two weeks before by Ireland and their response to that was to defend more aggressively um, much more aggressively mind but I, I think they actually went further um, and I'm I'm definitely in the camp of let the lads get on with it and stop being so soft and pansying about mm. I'm definitely in that camp but this time it seemed like either a concerted effort to whack as many Irishmen above the neck as they possibly could or they were so psyched up and so embarrassed by two weeks before and that they, they just went too far without having been told to And So you're, picking, think, you're picking up on the Sam Kane hit on Robbie Henshaw Yeah and the Malachi Fekatoa hit on Simon Zebo. Me, Simon Zebo It's just it's. I'm sure these guys aren't running around thinking because if you want to whack someone in the head you can do it Anytime you want in a game of rugby, yeah. I'm sure they're not running around thinking I'm going to damage you and hurt you, but they're thinking I'm going to absolutely push this. I'm so aggressive that I'm not going to control it and see what I can get away with. And that hit, that Sam Kane hit on Henshaw, which ended Henshaw's game, yeah. 
I, you know, I don't think he's trying to hurt him. I don't think he's trying to get him taken off, rather. But I think he knows what he's doing. He's a pro. He knows he's going high. He mm. knows he's going head first. He knows there's a good chance he's going to get head on head. Now, I don't think players generally aim for head on head because you can knock yourself out as easy as the other guy. Yeah. Right. So, so I don't necessarily think that was his explicit intention. But I think they went too far. And I think they were dirty and cynical. And in a sense, what's new, but I think it is a bit new from the all, the, this All Blacks team because they've been the most they've been the most dominant team, if not in sport and certainly in rugby, for a long time. And they've always been kind of above this kind of stuff, so classy, so serene. They're above this. This was not a team above cynical foul play. And I just just I, when on that Fekatoa hit, yeah. everybody knew it was high. Fekatoa, as soon as he did it. Stayed on his knees, hands up, and said, "I'm really sorry, sorry." And he was—he knew it, didn't argue it. He knew what he'd done. Then you got Dane Coles. You can hear him on the microphone walking around, you know, in front of the Irish players, clapping, saying, "Great tackle, good tackle, good tackle," complimenting this hit, which might have knocked this bloke out. Yeah. I don't like that. And just because you're the All Blacks and you're the greatest ever, you can get—you shouldn't get away with it. And I don't like it. That so easily could have been a red card as well. Because um, it was a swinging arm, you got a yellow for like it. A right hook, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. When you look at it in slow motion, it is blatant swinging arm, which goes to the head of Simon Zebo. So, you know, I wouldn't have been too shocked if the ref had shown him a red card. What I will say is that the All Blacks do tend to get a lot of 50-50s go their way, mm. don't they? In terms of yellow cards or red cards or not being simbined, penalties, etc. What I will say is that they've earned that respect to get those 50-50s in their way because. Uh, those 50-50s to go that way because they are the best in the world they are yeah I mean I just yeah I I don't know because I part of me I've just been completely honest I'm please do I, part of me likes that part of me likes the fact that they rolled up their sleeves and said we're going to beat this lot to yeah. bits because that isn't the modern version of rugby it's not the version that the mums want to see or that we want to show the mums that are going to let their boy, little boys go and play rugby but it is what a lot of what made the All Blacks great, you know, in sort of Buck Shelford's day, they kicked the shit out of people. Yeah. And oh, part of me, excuse my language, part of me quite likes that. And if, you know, playing for Bath or Blues or whomever over the years, you get a beating like that, that they did in Chicago, where you were meant to win as well. Yeah. What You don't talk about, you talk partly about execution and exits and processes. You're also talking about, let's batter this lot. And that doesn't mean you want to go out and hurt people. It means you want to go out and do as much legal damage as you possibly can, and but that they've shown they can mix it with the best, you know, attacking wise and flair wise. But they've also shown that they can be one of the most physical teams in the world. As and you well. can argue they've always done it. And you look at uh, Tana Umanga spear tackling O'Driscoll, and yeah, there's all these things. I, I think they're reasonably isolated, isolated incidents over the last ten years. I don't think there are any particularly systematically filthy teams in international rugby because you can't be anymore. But I thought this was a Brutal, but a at times and overall a cynical, like cynically sort of violent performance in the All Blacks, and I, it left uh, overall it left a bit of a bit of taste to be honest. So we got Australia, France, or France Australia, should I say, twenty five twenty three to Australia. Kurundrani's mm. finish. Oh my days! There'd probably be two or three people in the world of rugby that could have finished that try. That is it. Great game actually as well. It was, what, but what a finish! Yeah, it was. Goodness me, it was massive. It was massive and. To be fair, I thought France were going to do it towards the end. I thought they had enough possession. I thought mm. they did enough to win it. It wasn't the strongest Australian team out. They left out a lot of stars, but you know they showed a lot of heart in the end with 
you know, defending for a good 20 minutes. And mm. he defended well mm. at the weekend. There was an interesting um, picture that went around on social media of the Fijian lads, in Fijian-born players playing um, for France or Australia just in that game. There were seven of them in that game alone involved in those two squads. I know. Both, you know, both France and Australia had two Fijian wingers yeah. playing against each other. I mean, it's sort of, you can say it's madness, but why is it madness? It's madness because there's no money in Fijian rugby and they'll get thousands and thousands of pounds a game to play those tests and they'll get big contracts to go and play there domestically. You, you know? see, should have come to Wales, mate. Should have come to Wales, but... Yeah, you're my but I, as well. But it, yeah, yeah, that's true. Mm. But it, it How ma- is she, all right? She's well, yeah. Yeah, yeah why do you ask? Oh, just, just text me now and again, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> Send her my best. Bye. But you look at you look at the art. We've had a couple of questions about this actually. You look at the just Fijians alone, the sort of the fifteen they could put out or the twenty three they could put out if everyone who was born in Fiji played there. And it is possible because the whole Fijian team is Fijian. The whole Argentinian team is is, is Argentinian. So it is possible to do that. It's not the way rugby currently is. And residency, I think, is going to be looked at. But it needs to be looked at quick because it's kind of becoming. Farcical. You can get. You can play for England with England as your second language because you've just been here for one con. Three years is one contract, isn't it? Yeah. Let me let me have a think. Shall I play for twenty two grand a game or four hundred quid a game? Yeah. Easy peasy. Easy. So, what you're basically saying is the residency rule should be longer than three years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. five years is the obvious adjustment. Yeah. I wonder. I could get picked apart for saying this because I haven't thought about it enough. But I wonder if seven years isn't a better idea. I mean, then if you're a 15 year old and you, you can you don't get to play for England till you're 22. Well, fine, you know. But if you're 20 years old and you arrive, that's you're you're an you're an established non-Englishman by then. Was grandparents enough? Grandparents being born in the country, um, or should it be mum and dad? Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Yeah. Should, um, should we ever think about it and then come back with a better answer? I'm going to go mum and dad. Okay. All right. Yeah. Happy with that? Perfect. Um, let's move on. Mm. Italy, South Africa. Can you believe they've won? Uh, no. Nor can I. I'm really, really pumped that they have, though, because Huge. Conor O'Shea and Mike Cat will not have expected to win that game, and I'm, I'm pleased for them. The only thing is, is that Wales have got them this weekend now, and I, for me, that is just going to massively, massively fire them up for this weekend. We're a must-win game for them. Yeah. I, Do you not think so? Do you know what? Looking, you, I, at, I think had they beaten Italy, I think that they wouldn't have learned many lessons but they still would have won the game it's way so, harder way harder for Wales now yeah definitely but I I just don't look at this Springboks team and think they've got an angry performance in them I don't think they've got that I think they're so underwhelming at the moment we said a couple of weeks ago that we think it you know we might get worse before it gets better well it has got worse I think yeah. you just better hope it doesn't start getting better this weekend mate no I know well Wales Japan mm. oh. Dyer. Positives. Um, Sam Davis yeah. coming off the bench to yeah. slot that drop kick. Yeah. Do you know what I liked about that is that so many players, young players like that, wouldn't possibly put themselves in that situation. Would mm. keep looking for a penalty. Would mm. keep forwards going around the corner looking for Japan to infringe and, yeah. and, and taking a penalty because obviously a penalty off the floor is a lot easier than having a drop kick under pressure. But he actually puts himself in that position so it's all or nothing for him Yeah, and he slots it straight through the middle with loads left it's an incredible moment for him his family his father Nigel Davis played for Wales as well Scarlett's coached Wales one game and Gloucester uh, it must be an incredibly proud moment for him and 
he is one to look for the future, Sam Davis. He's good. And do you think it ends up with Sam Davis at 10 and Dan Bigger at 12? It could. It could. If, you, if Wales are looking to play a different way, um, if they're looking to play more expansively, they could look at that option because that would be similar to England in Farrell and Ford. Dan Bigger, great 10, good ball player. Sam Davis, probably a little bit more elusive, plays a little bit flatter probably a little bit more creative those two could work together if that's the route Wales want to go down biggest defence good enough yeah biggest defence is very aggressive yeah. it is good enough um, there's enough big lumps in that back line as well to give them go forward if they want to revert back to that You know, because sometimes you do need to take it up off the top of line outs of the back of scrums but it's whether Wales want to play like that I just like Scott Williams I yeah, think, I like I think you've got to pick him well. but whatever team they pick they have to stick with now they have to think right this is the best team we're going to stick with it for three or four games regardless. So it gives players a chance to understand each other. You know, it gives a chance for the wingers to, to play in this different formation, to run off centres, to mm. run off tens. Because chopping and changing all the time does not help whatsoever. Um, but, but Wales need to find their identity. <clears throat> what are they trying to do? Are they still trying to play this Warren Ball. confrontational rugby where mm. they physically make teams think, but mentally they don't make teams think? They don't challenge teams mentally. So defenders aren't worried about which player they're taking and about the movement outside of the ball. They're just seeing one-up runners come in and have to tackle them. And mm. for me, that, that's too easy. Wales have to start evolving now. And I think, I think they all realise that, but it's so difficult because you, they've been playing a certain way for such a long time. Nothing has really changed. They've relied so heavily on the likes of Jamie to get them over the game line that they don't know much difference. And it's going to take a bit of time that settling, you know, sometimes we might have to see, we might have to go through some real poor periods like we are right mm. now to get better. Yeah, but I, but I think there is a realization now that Wales do need to improve and they need to improve their attack and their defense as well, mate. They've been leaking a few tries, yeah. But that, that was the most annoying thing at the weekend is that basics weren't great. So you think after Lydia scores a try, after Jamie scores a try, after Warburton scores a try. You know, all of a sudden Wales are going to kick on and they're going to be relentless and you can see the next wave of attack mm. but all of a sudden then they're throwing balls on the floor they're having intercepts yeah. they're losing ball off kickoff in their own half Japan score so they're shooting themselves in their own foot it's fundamentals and basics that need to sort out um, on to the Scotland game yeah, at the weekend uh, against Argentina Hugh Jones and yeah. another good game brilliant isn't he you went up a level then Where's he been all my life, Tom? Where's he been? South Africa, mate. Yeah, he's been in the heat. Born in Edinburgh, playing in South Africa for the Stormers. Yeah. But what a find he's been. He scored two tries last week, created one this week. Yeah. He's a great player, I like him. All Um, of a sudden, you look at their back line, you've got Dunbar, who I think is a brilliant player. Do you? Yeah, I really, really rate Alex Dunbar. What do you like about him? Um, Go on, tell us. No, he's physical, he's got a a ball-playing game, he's aggressive... He's got vision. Mm. Not many 12s have that. Um, and he's got pace and he can finish off tries. He's, uh, he's the all-round all package. But you've got Finn Russell at 10. You've got him, Alex Dunbar and Hugh Jones in the centre. You look at their wingers as well. Tommy Seymour, Maitland, Hogg at 15. All of a sudden... Class. It is a class backline. And Do you know what? There were people... They've suddenly come alive, Scotland. People like you and me, who know it all, were... Um, saying how can they not pick Matt Scott the Gloucester centre for Scotland how can yeah. they leave him out actually this is how they can leave him out <laughs> they've yeah. been brilliant 
They have. Um, but we've got, we got an interesting question on Love email from Max Popley. Yeah. Um, lads, does Scotland's decision not to renew Vern Carter's contract look more puzzling than ever, considering their autumn international performances so far? Uh, your answer? Yes. Um, mm. My answer is yes, because Vern Cotton needed a bit of time to develop this Scotland team. He has. You can start to see huge, huge light at the end of the tunnel for him. Mm. And he's put a lot of systems in place um, for for Scotland that, you know, it's going to be great for Gregor Townsend to inherit this squad and the level yeah. of and the level of experience that he's going to inherit is far better than, you know, two or three years ago. Mm. Um, and a lot of that is down to Vern Cotter. It is, and I, I think they've, we've said this before in the pod. I think they've played some really, really good stuff under Vern Cotter. I just the results haven't quite happened, happened this weekend. But I, it still feels a bit odd that he's going. That um, that question you asked me about bigger and um, and Sam Davis. There was a question from Warren Thomas: Could Wales try a ten and twelve like England? Um, so I think we answered that for him. Um, in at the side, I've asked Chuck Norris versus Stephen Seagal. Oh, mate, it's a no-brainer. Who's it for you? It's Chuck Norris. Yes, it is. Yeah. Steven Seagal only fights with his hands. Does he? Yes. Is that because ne- he's a bit of a big lad and he can't kick? Yes. He never, ever fights with his legs. Mate, you know Chuck knows that. You know Chuck's going to do the Street Fighter 2 turbo sweep kick. What was that film when he was a chef? Um, Under Siege. Under Siege. Yeah. And that girl burst out, the topless girl burst out the birthday From cake. From Baywatch. Yeah. That was yeah. one of my favourite scenes as a young man. That was um, one of my... That was a defining movie scene for me. Probably the reason why you wear glasses now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's probably why I take um, such pride in my own chest. Um, Robert- One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. We got a question here on email from Jack Fitzmorris. Hi, Jack. Love the podcast. Stop at you. Um, what is the worst slash most gruesome injury you've ever seen on the field? That is a particularly macabre question. Um, yeah, so that's, uh, I, I think. 
I saw Danny Cipriani did a snap dislocation of his ankle. I was playing in that game, and yeah, uh, that was that was pretty grim because his foot was um, facing the wrong way. That was, and it was yeah, it was that was bad. That was bad, and he was in a horrible amount of pain. And I remember, oh yeah, I remember thinking at that point I would do anything I possibly could. I didn't didn't know Danny very well, but I would do anything I possibly could to stop this guy's pain it was that bad it was just horrific I mentioned one a few uh, podcasts ago about David Jones and he had a little mishap and oh, yeah. shorts yeah. that was quite bad but ankle as well Robin Solon Taylor did one against the Ospreys did he and again facing completely facing the other way I wasn't at the game right but the boys say that the worst one they've seen and heard was Chris Chekai in Australia in 2007 has a spiral fracture of his femur bone and they oh. just said the noise was just incredible it was like a gunshot it was that bad oh. I know I, what do you like watching injuries now when you see them in replays don't, I don't watch no, any I can't don't watch any injuries at all no wow, do you see the Olympics the guy doing a pummel horse the pummel horse or, or the vault pummel he was doing a vault what did, he, what did he do I think it was a French guy he obviously runs up as fast as he can with arms going everywhere yeah vaults does a twist in the air Lands, leg just snapped. Oh no 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 no! That's enough. Don't want to hear about that. That's yeah. bad. That's bad. Um, let's move on. Another another uh, question from Marky Mark on email, um, and he said that a couple of pods ago we talked about uh, who are the strongest teammates ever, um, who are the strongest guys we played with, and we missed out Andrew Sheridan. That is a good point. Sherry, incredibly strong guy. I was actually in the same year as school at Sherry as Sherry um, in London and very very strong guy from an early age I uh, heard once that he was Olympic weightlifter standard um, did you ever witness these heroics and would you add him to the list yes I would incredibly strong human being very very good in the gym but Olympic weightlifter standard I mean I'm sure a lot of you know this but the very very strongest rugby players in the world are absolutely nowhere near as strong as weightlifters at lifting weights they're absolutely nowhere near no. so Someone like Andy Sheridan, who was probably 120, 125 kilos, I guess 19 stones, 20 stones, something like that. Someone of his weight would be lifting, if not double what Sherry lifts, they're not far off. Their weightlifters are a completely different gravy. They haven't got a run and pass and all that stuff, you know. Before we get too into the questions, we've not touched on the England-Fiji game. Oh, yeah. I mean, you said, you said last week um, that you didn't see it being more than a speed bump. It wasn't really, was it? No, it wasn't. There, there I thought was physically they they would struggle a little bit because the Fijians are obviously a big physical side. You look at that England backline; it's not that physical. It's pretty mobile and pretty mm. athletic, but they don't possess the power that the Fijians mm. do. But they didn't struggle whatsoever. No, and I I really I really thought Fiji might deliver a bit more. They didn't turn up like I hoped they would. Their, their set piece was actually better than I thought. Put England under, excuse me, um, it was put, put them under pressure a little bit yeah. once or twice. Uh, there was a period where Ooh. Fiji looked sharp and scored a few tries and a couple of tries and they looked great but that, that died out pretty quick England didn't seem to struggle at all really and I thought over the, the best performers I thought Jonathan Joseph was great Elliot Daly looked really good on the wing do they both and, stay? Um, that's the question uh, yeah I think they do because Jack Knowles not fit I think if Jack Knowles fit you've got to pick him that's what I that's, uh, Rocket Aguni well, I think, yeah, the Fijian lad on the wing for England was good. Yeah. Uh, Rocco Rocco was good. I thought he was really, really sharp. Um, although the first time, because he, he's known for being, if not the biggest hitter in the Premiership in terms of wingers, pretty close, a powerful guy. Um, 
he tried to hit uh, Nandolo early on when Nandolo caught a kickoff, and he got absolutely brushed. That he guy is big. a giant. He makes huge. Yeah, isn't he? he's real big. He's enormous. Like you don't often say that anymore because everyone's kind of big, or loads of lads are really big. Yeah, he is enormous. He's a giant, and um, doesn't have abs like you and I do. No, he doesn't look in great nick, does he? No, um, but he does a decent job. Nor, nor is Rapenny Thalfal. Remember him? No. Like he, obviously he when he was younger, he was, yeah. but. But he was the best even when he was real yeah, fat. He was. He was. Real derby on him. But I I thought Eng- England looked really good, I thought. But it was kind of... It ended up being one of those games where, you know, ooh, don't get injured because we're going to win this comfortably and it would be a bit of a waste. Joe Launchbury's been banned for two weeks retrospectively. Yeah. Um, it's a tough one. I, it, it's absolutely the right decision because that is the directive and the directive is there to protect people's heads from fly-hacking um, behemoths. Uh, but I, I still, I still feel like it's, oh, it's a complete accident. You know, just touching up, uh, touching up. I hope not. Don't you touch me up again? Um, just picking up on that for the news. Liam Williams has just signed for Saris. Saris. The rumours well, are true. See, I think I think it's a bit of a strange sign. Right, he's going to a great club, so he's mm. leaving the Scarlets to go to the best club in Europe. Mm. He's a fifteen. He doesn't like playing on the wing. He wants to play fifteen. Right. He's made that clear. 15 is best position. He's going to a club where they've already got, I think, a world-class 15. And that's good. So yeah. so how do they both fit in? Because he he doesn't want to go to Saracens and be second choice and sit on the bench. He's still got international ambition, so he still wants to play for Wales. So it strikes me a bit odd that he's gone to Saracens, not because of the club, but because of the competition in his position already. Yeah, He'll obviously go there backing himself and you know thinking that he can take that slot he quite possibly could but it's a difficult one isn't it you see, I, I, saw I think it, it's strange I heard it rumoured and saw it announced and my initial reaction was well he'll just play on the wing when Alex Good isn't playing fullback they'll rotate a bit but he'll be a winger but you telling me that he definitely doesn't want to play on the wing oh I'm telling you mate you t- if you tell me it's fact it is absolute fact i then yes, it is strange, and I'm sure they've paid him loads and loads of money, and he's worth it. But there is a chance he could be sitting on the bench. But I thought with Ashton gone, Strettle went a couple of years ago or a year ago, whatever it was. Yeah. Ashton gone, I thought it was a good slot for a great ball runner on the wing there. Yeah. Um, maybe he's maybe he didn't want to play on the wing, and he got offered more money than he could ever believe he'd be offered via email, and suddenly doesn't mind playing on the wing anymore. Okay, we've got a couple of good questions here, Tom Horton. Um, at Mr. Under Slash Skinny Legs. Oh, shame, innit? Yeah. Don't forget your legs, boys. Don't girls. forget your legs. I mean, I know Lee, Bernie was right a couple of weeks ago. You don't see legs in a nightclub, but when you go on holiday and you're that bloke that clearly puts a bit of effort yeah. in up top and you're walking around with legs that should be hanging out of a bird's nest, you're an embarrassment. It's, your power, it's your power base. Yeah. Um, right, so Tom Horden, still think there's comedy in this. Which forward would you be happy as with your kicker? And which back could be an okay prop? So if you take the back for a prop, oh, okay. Um, well, did you see Maro uh, Mako Vunapola doing goal kicking the other day? On, yeah. He went around on Twitter. I got a better one though. Have you? Yeah. Adam yours? Jones. Good goal kicker. Really good, mate. Not just off the floor, but out of the hand as well. Is he really? Yes. He's even had. A, he even had a goal at a drop kick um, last year. I think for the Blues. Osprey, blues, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, really skillful, but obviously doesn't get to see him. You don't often get to see him 
I can't no, imagine his legs going high enough to kick a ball. It just curls his toes, mate. Curls his toes. Yeah. <laughs> Flicks it through the top no, of his toes. No, he is. Very, very good end over end kicker as well. Yeah. Loves it. Yeah. Does it as a warm up. Okay, so we, we want a back as a, we want a back as a prop, do we? Yeah. Bastero. Yeah, it's got to be, isn't it? I still, I still, do you know what? Every now and again, he has a really good game, but I, I still think if you pick someone often enough, they'll eventually have a good game. So that isn't quite a gauge for me. I just do not get, I do not get the Bastero thing. I know that wasn't the question, but I mean, as you, if you, if you can nail your tackles, if you can, you know. Without, can't run without his legs type stuff and you're not going to start going up top on him no. you can completely rule him out as a threat I think right, we had, we've been talking about the worst injuries Robert Smith who on Twitter has just been saying about Horwell's injury do you see his finger mm. almost as bad as the finger that retired me mate that yeah was it his is, mine, was like, mine was like that but 20 times worse um, to be fair though he did ask to play on yeah we, you asked to play on I got asked to come off and wouldn't so yeah, his was worse than mine as well. Um, his was worse. That was that was horrific. I don't I actually don't like seeing stuff like that. But um, he quite likes. He said something on Twitter like, "Looks like my days as a hand model are over." <laughs> Tough cookie. Um, there's been a few questions. There's a question here on from Mike Borkett. Who should Bath sign as a ten if Ford leaves? Mm, yeah, interesting one. Um, well, Preston's there. Yeah. Um, and he's, he he's yet to feature that heavily because obviously George Ford's at first choice 10 there I, do you know I still romantically I still like the idea of Freddie Burns playing for Bath yeah really good player Bath, Bath born and bred the Burns are a big Bath family it would mean a huge amount to him but I you know I guess there's when you can pick anyone in the world effectively you know it's it's um, makes that less likely I suppose I still like that idea I like the idea of a young kid playing as well, someone like a Rory Jennings, who's a young fly half, a Gavin, uh, not Gavin Hastings, Adam Hastings, Gavin Hastings' son looks really good. But I think again, if you're a team that's struggling for cash, then you back and backing a youngster seems like a, a, a noble and financially sort of fiscally sensible idea. But I think they probably won't because they can buy anyone they want. And I've I've heard a bit of chat they're going after Aaron Cruden, really? which would you know I'm sure they'd have to pay a load of money, but they've got a load of money, so why not pay it? Um, he'd be a nice one. Bowden Barrett would be good, but he ain't going to come, is he? He ain't going to come. What a class player he is. Oh, my days. Like, to have that pace as well. Yeah. To go outside Connor Murray like he did, just cruising in. Yeah. Absolute class. I'm not sure if he got the ball down, though. No, I wasn't, actually. Uh, Given the benefit of the doubt. He's better than Dan Carter. Possibly quite could be. Mm, I reckon he is. And if he's not, he will be. The best, for me, he's not the best player in the All Blacks team, though. I think that I know what you're going to say. Brody Retallick. I knew you were going to say that. He, has, he does more in a game than Bowden Barrett, I think. Or whatever, it doesn't matter who's better. Brody Retallick is on a different level from certainly any other second rows on the planet, and I include the English South African big dogs in that, and even Alan Wynne Jones. Brody Retallick is on a different level uh, in terms of how often he influences a game um, and how few errors he makes. He is just freaky. He's just freaky, freaky good, and he's hasn't played for a while, comes back in and is the best player on the field. Incredibly effective. Okay. Um, what you got? You got some more questions there, Tommy? Do you want to go political? Uh, yeah, let's do it. Okay. Should the RFU help Pacific Islands form a super rugby franchise? So this is all to do with the amount of money that the Pacific Islanders receive per games as opposed to what 
Northern Hemisphere teams receive for games? Yeah, yeah, I think they should. Um, I think the, all, all the tier one unions. This is from um, Robin Whitefield, by the way. Hello, Robin. Hi, mate. Um, I think that uh, broadly helping out tier two, tier three nations is the way to go. And I think you don't just help Fiji, then you know, there's a lot of other nations you've got to help. Then you've got the other South Sea Islands, you've got Georgia, you know, it kind of keeps going. Yeah. Um, but I think that a contribution from hugely or, you know, nicely profitable tier one rugby unions to tier two or tier three or whatever, lower tier unions is the way to go. And I think it sends, doesn't send the right message. It's the right behaviour. It's the haves helping the have lesses, and I think it should always be that way. Okay. Um, David Cottrell-Jones has asked us on Twitter, who out of the Scotland team do you think deserves a Lions place at the moment? Mm. So WP I'm, Nell. You go to the forwards then. Yeah, yeah. WP Nell, Johnny Gray, uh, Hardy. Um, really? Hardy in the back row. What, over the other sevens? Um, big squad. You can't just name any Scotland player. I do what I like, mate. Okay, fine. I do what I like. Who's the, the other? I've completely, I've completely forgotten the name of the other guy I really like. Uh, Fraser. Uh, no, Hamish. Oh God. Scott Hastings. Scott Hastings. Gavin Hastings. Gavin Hastings. The back. The, Gregor Townsend. The back row. The back row. The flanker. Barkley. No. Rennie. No. Um, the other lad. I'll come back to it in a minute. I've completely drawn a blank. Um, okay. Had too much lunch, but I really like him. Um, so yeah WP Nell has to go I think if he's fit Alistair Dickinson is an outside shot really okay. yes because nice the new go. laws really suit him Yeah, he's very very fit very powerful and explosive but he's very very fit so against New Zealand in, in the Lions trip who don't have a very good scrum yes um, they haven't had for a while and it's not getting any better I don't think you need the best scrummaging units in the world so this is the sort of trip that you know, a, a Die Young or a Julian White might miss out on because you can take someone who perhaps doesn't scrummage quite as well. You might take a Tony Buckley on a trip like this. Remember Tony Buckley? Yeah, yeah. Doesn't scrummage as well, but does huge amounts around the field because the All Blacks can scrummage reasonably well. Joe Moody's getting better, but they're not a force. Owen Franks is not a force. But you want someone who's mobile around the park, I'm who's tight. not going to get yep. tired, make tackles. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think he's a, he's an outside choice. Uh, yeah, Johnny Gray is... is um, uh, verging on a phenomenon in terms of the amount of work he does he's a brilliant brilliant second rower okay. um, his brother Richie of course is close but bear in mind the other locks around the home nations I think only Johnny will go um, and I'll come back Hamish Watson have I got it I've completely forgotten this guy's name mm. you talk about yours and I'm going to look it up on Tinterweb okay so back wise you have to take Stuart Hogg is there a more exciting 15 than him at the moment ball in hand incredible elusive fast offload game the work slots in at 10 so he's definitely going to go with fit um, I think Tommy Seymour has a real good chance mm. of making it some great form last year in the Six Nations mm. this year so far um, Alex Dunbar could be an outside shot if he keeps his form up possibly not Maitland at the moment I think there might be better wingers um, mm. that's not to say his form won't pick up so for me they're, they're the three that I can see him making it I, th I think we'll see a huge contingent a huge Scottish contingent in this year's or next year's Lions tour I do Hamish Watson it was Hamish Watson yes. brilliant player um, yeah I think you're right I think we'll see a lot more than people think and it's funny um, Ireland play really well against uh, the All Blacks but don't win at the weekend and there's lots of what Irish fans tweeted you think the Irish lads are disappointed now wait till Gatland ignores them 
come lion selection. You know, it's quite an interesting one because I think this, if thing, I mean, things can change hugely, and the Six Nations becomes way more important than the Ormington Nationals in terms of uh, lion selection. But then, you know, I, I think that as if things remain roughly as they are, then there ain't many Welsh players going compared with last time. Frankly, there's a lot fewer, and there are a lot more Irish and Scottish players going than last time. Is what I would guess. Would you go with that? Yeah, no, I would go with that. Hugh David um, wants to know on current form. How do you see the Six Nations finishing up one to six? So who's going to finish first? England. England. I would, I would agree. Who's going to finish sixth? Although, although England play Ireland away in Dublin. Yeah. Who? You said England. I said England. Ireland two. Italy six. Yeah. Italy six. Yeah. Got okay, you. So we got you want Ireland two. Um, Wales three. Are you happy with that? Um, no. Scotland three. Okay, I'm going to say Wales three. You're going Scotland three. Um, who's four then? I'll say Wales, then France. Okay. So I'll say Wales four, France five. Okay. I'll go with the same. You'll go Scotland four, France, France five. five. Yeah. yeah. No, Scot. Yeah, Scotland four, France. Five. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite confusing actually. Yeah, we got there in the end. A lot, a lot of like media types who do podcasts and shows would plan this sort of stuff and actually have it written down. This is who we voted for, but we are making this up as we go along, and we we kind of prefer it that way because we're. Um, Mavericks we're off the cuff Mavericks slash are we lazy here's a really interesting question actually I really like this one let's go it's from Gareth Thomas on Twitter at Thomas Gareth not not the real one not Alfie not Alfie Um, no he was he was meant to come along today but he got stuck in Barry Uh, why don't referees that's a lie oh where is he Chester (laughs) got stuck in Warwick (laughs) Sydney. Anyway, it's not in Australia. <laughs> um, right. Why? <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. Why don't referees police tackle laws during the act of scoring, i.e., Johnny Sexton's swinging arm around Bowden Barrett's neck? It's a funny one. Apart from a horrible knee drop, yes, you seem to be able to do anything to a scoring player. So, I mean, I, I you know, I think we've probably all done it at some point. It doesn't make it right. The guy's scoring anyway, so you're trying to get over there in time and you can pretend you're trying to knock the ball out of his hand, but you actually try and chin the bloke as he's landing or just land one for the sake of it. Yeah. It's funny, isn't it? Why don't they police that? You use a swinging arm because you're trying to knock the ball out of someone's hand, basically, aren't you? You aim for the ball. If it hits that could their, be your excuse. If it, yeah, if it hits their jaw, you know, it's because the, the guy was yeah. in the motion of going down to the floor. Um, but a lot of the time as well, you're trying to get underneath the ball, so you're trying to climb over somebody to stop them from ground the ball so you have to get up, try and get underneath them but you're right I mean you see some horrific stuff sometimes though don't you when, when someone's going to try and yeah because you could I mean you could you could in. easily restart the game with a penalty for a swinging arm in the act of scoring well we saw it with George North remember he got knocked out Nathan Hughes ran yeah. over the top of him clipped his yeah. jaw so yeah but I I mean this this divides opinion that was an accident I mean I'm, yeah I yeah. agree it was an accident yeah so it doesn't split opinion at all no not here here. Didn't, didn't split any opinion whatsoever um, so lean up to this weekend mate yeah you got Argentina yeah they're not going to pose too many threats for you you're still going to no. get on England I, I I, think that yeah they're, they're not going to pose too many threats I think they're potentially a really creative team but they are they play with a lot of width they play with a lot of skill mm. um, they're fairly physical up front um, their game they played here at the Prince Palace Stadium against Ireland was absolutely incredible it's the best I've seen them play yeah Argentina they yeah were, I, they, they were phenomenal um, but I I, I, and I hope we see that Argentina this weekend we haven't quite seen it yet no we haven't this autumn right. um, I kind of I, 
I want them to be big and creative and powerful, but I don't think they really are at the moment. I don't think their, their scrummage is anywhere near the force it was. I don't think teams are scared of making handling errors because it hands them set-piece ball yeah. anymore. I think they're, they're very, very sort of big, dense men around the breakdown and they're very hard to shift. They commit hard to the breakdown. If they commit, they commit hard and they take a lot of energy out of attacking teams. If, they, if, if attacking teams want to sort of keep on getting generating quick ball it could become really really tiring to do so against Argentina but I think England are in you know sufficiently strong form that this should be a bruising encounter if not a challenging one really so Ireland have got Australia and this this is going to be a huge game because Ireland are mm. missing Henshaw at 12 definitely I think they're missing Sexton at 10 uh, which means Paddy Jackson's going to come in I'm not sure where they're going to play Gary Ringrose who look out for him yeah he you like he, came, he came on last week and did not look out of place whatsoever yeah he looked really good he looked really good he's got pace he's got skill he looks super confident as well yeah he does he looks a little bit like you know Brian O'Driscoll that type of that type of player taller though yes not as pallid either better looking better looking um, like we can't be too um, rude because he might be on the show next week oh yeah that's can, true if we can tie him down yeah he's he's no he's actually he's not as handsome as Drico and he's not as charismatic is he not that I've met him no he's not so I'm actually going to go for an Australia win in Dublin yeah I I really 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 want Ireland to win I hope they win yeah I do hope Ireland win but I think Australia will be a little bit too strong especially with all the players they rested last week as well yeah I just I, th- I often think you can separate the great teams from the potentially great or merely the very good by how often they're able to perform at a certain level and not their best possible level but their kind of mean level and I wonder if Ireland are emotionally spent after their sort of rematch against the All Blacks I wonder and I hope they're not I hope they're as as sort of pumped for this one as focused for this one as they were for the All Blacks games and I really really want Ireland to win I just don't think they're going to I agree with you so let's hope that a week from now we're back here eating humble Welsh cakes because yeah. we were wrong France New Zealand ah easy I thought that, I thought it was some French then ah, ah, it was ah, <laughs> uh, easy yeah easy for New Zealand Les Noirs. yeah and yeah. yeah, um, Wales South Africa uh, Wales have to win South Africa hasn't been this bad in generations both teams have to win I think more so South Africa than Wales yeah but I think South Africa have always got that kind of political situation get out whereas Wales don't have that they've just got pure pressure from the people um, yeah. so I, I I don't know I I feel like if Wales have got a pop at beating the Springboks it's now yeah it's right now who was that guy just walked in uh, this is what happens when you uh, don't you know him you're yeah. from Wales George North he wants an autograph George North get out Um, the issue for me with Wales is how they're going to play at the weekend are they going to play are they going to try something different and play with width and try and create tries and create space out wide or are they going to go back to what they know which is the game line battle crash bang wallop same way around the corner Whichever, whichever plan they go with their fundamentals and basics have to be so much better. Yeah, it was so it was very average on the weekend. Just think, just looking after the ball in contact, just not throwing, shoving shit on. You call it. You know, yeah. So if you get one, receive one bad pass, you don't throw another bad pass. Um, concentration levels need to up. They've certainly got the talent out there, and you, you know you can see the boys training now on the field. The amount of lions they've got and the amount of experience they've got in that team. Yeah, 
And they're, they're actually, they are training beneath us now on the field, yeah. in the rain at the principality, as we sit up here in the box with bits of scraps of lunch scattered all over the place and a mince pie. But part of me, um, most of me, wants to see Wales play with a different ambition, with a different mindset. What are the I would, odds, though? I would, it's going to take time, but why not do it now in preparation for the Six Nations? At some stage in a calendar year, you know, Wales are going to have to start again, start from the beginning of how to break teams down and how to attack. So why not do it now? Yeah. You know, it should have been done through the start of the autumn campaign. You have to have two ball players in your back line to be able to do that. So whether they go with Sam Davis at 10, Dan Brigger at 12, or whether they stick with Dan Brigger at 10 and put Scott Williams in at 12, I don't know which way Rob Howley is going to go with this. Mm. But in order, in order to score tries, they have to have two ball players. Gone are the days where I think we can just bully teams with our physical presence. Can't bully teams anymore. We, we have to yeah. mentally challenge defenders. And in order to do that, we need that more attacking, potent philosophy on the way to play rugby. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I agree with you, Tommy. Perfect. I agree Perfect. with you. Um, I reckon we've probably done enough, do you? This yeah. has been quite a serious rugby one. I know. This week. I know. We, we, we're better than that. Um, we haven't had too many. But there was just so much rugger to talk about. Storyvilles, have we? No, but there was, um, wasn't so Jack and Nori, but there are there was so much rugby to talk about and we are kind of a rugby podcast so um, there's loads of different ways to contact us as well we, we try and get through as many questions as we can you can go on Twitter which is at Flats and Shanks you can email us which is contact at flatsandshanks.com the website flatsandshanks.com and there's a Facebook page and we are going to do some Facebook live podcasts soon we, we hope yeah. to be doing one with Nigel Owens in December he's agreed yeah. Um, he signed a contract or just by saying yeah that's fine now, if he doesn't come we will sue him I will sue him he, he, okay? he has basically said yes I'm there on text and for me that is a contract if he breaks it I'll hunt him down and end him and, yeah I will end him. Um, him yeah and I if you if you if you like our podcast please do go onto iTunes and review you it for us to. you have to go on if you, if you review it with if you review it with full marks we send you £10 we might even start reading out some of the reviews Oh yeah, so make do, them good. If you do some good reviews, we'll start reading them out. If they're really rude and they don't give us five stars, then do you do it with stars? I don't know. I make yes, that up. Yes, you do. Then up yours, all right? We're Brand not reading ones. it. Are they gold? Um, gold, right? Gold. <laughs> Jesus, it's like being at McDonald's. <laughs> there are other fast food outlets available. They're just not as tasty. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had a McDonald's the other night. I was with Mark Durden Smith after we went to Sale Sharks. You had a pizza last night. I know, mate. Long old day. I've had a terrible couple of days of nutrition. But I asked I asked Flats what pizza he had. And he said, oh, I went for hammer pineapple, a little bit of sweet corn. Well, that's a bit strange for you, mate. I thought you would have gone for the uh, mighty meaty. The meat feast. The meat feast. And he said, oh, no, it's the, it's the meat. It's not very good quality, is it? Oh. <laughs> You're chopping the dominoes in front of the telly. All that cheese and bread going down. You're lasting on your mind. Do you know what? And this is... Um... No, I don't. You do know what I, this is. A this is. I actually had a load of food ready for last night, and this is. Um, God's honest. You know this. Do you know when someone makes an anonymous donation to charity but tells everyone about it? Yeah. Um, there's a bus shelter, a bus stop near me, an old one. It's like those who stop. go to CrossFit and have to put it on Twitter. Yeah. What's the point in going if you don't yeah. tell everyone? There's this. Uh, there's a homeless guy that has been living for a couple of months underneath a stone disused bus shelter, disused stone bus shelter near my house, outside Bath, and he's. Um, always friendly sitting up and like walk the kids stone, to school like Stonehenge mate a little bit yeah. and he, he's always nice to kids and stuff and you just feel for this guy and we anyway I had this nice food and I'd made it in preparation and I said to my kids in the morning before I took them to school 
um, yesterday morning, being Monday morning, I said, girls, all look at that for daddy late, because their mum, my wife, was away for the night working in London, so she says, yeah. and I said, that's all daddy's, no one's getting any of that. Can we have some? No, so get out of it, it's all mine. And they said, daddy, if you had a really big heart, you'd give it to the man with no home. Did you? Yeah, what'd you do? Aww. So I took a big flask of coffee, and we uh, went on the way to school, and the girls got out, and they're like, we went, we went over to the guy to give him a load of food, and and he had loads of food there already, as it happened. Some other people have dropped it off. Hey, that's nice. And the, girl, and the girls were like, um, is that your bed? They said, you've got lovely views. <laughs> at least you... And then he said, yeah, it's a bit cold though. At least you've got a roof. Some people don't have roofs. And the other one who's four said, some people don't even have floors. So actually they do have floors. Everyone's got a floor. Like, you can, unless you're at sea, even at sea, you can find a floor. But um, that's why I ended up with no food last night and got the pizzas in. See, so it's, it's not right what they say about you. You're actually a decent guy, mate. Yeah, but you, I've made sure everyone knows about it. That's the other thing. Yeah. Wow. So apologies for self-promotion, but somebody's, I also, somebody's going to heaven. I'm also horrible to some people. Yeah. So there you are. That's true. Um, so see you next week. Yeah. Goodbye. Ta-da. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 